This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. We are living in a time where our future is uncertain, which means youth voice is as important as ever. Kia ora, join me, Leo, on Operation Rakatahi on ORFM's Youth Zone, 105.4 FM, 1575 AM or online at oar.org.nz or download the Youth Zone app on Google Play or the Apple App Store. I'm on the air every second Tuesday at 4pm. Kia ora and welcome to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. Um, yeah, so today we've got a show, put, I've put a show together, I've got a guest in, hi Justina. Hi. So we'll be talking about um, white privilege and how that can affect society and everyday life and we'll bring in Justina's perspective and we'll just have a nice wee discussion. Um, so yeah, so um, welcome back. So we're going to play a couple of songs and we'll be right back. Um, first up, we'll play some Lily Allen, Smile.
one's patience This time, this time could just be a bit short and short and Bit, bit, between us, six million seasons Gotta run, gotta run, gotta run And make it die Articles, articles, rather you remain unremarkable. Got a lot of in a 
interviews, interviews, interviews when they say your name, I just like Did you have fun? I really couldn't care less and you couldn't give him my best, but just no. I'm not your friend or anything, damn. And welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So, as I mentioned earlier, we're, I'm here with Justina King, and we're going to be talking about white privilege. And yeah, so, could uh, Leo Toku Ingwa? Justina Toku Right, let's move on. Um, so, for those who don't know and who've been living under a rock, um, white privilege is the unspoken privilege that white people get walking around wherever they go because um, society at large is in, uh, is inherently um, racist at, in a lower level. Um, whether it's obvious or not, there is an inherent privilege that comes with that and it should be acknowledged and combated and not allowed. Yeah, so... Now that Canceled. we've got the yeah, now that we've got the context to have this conversation, if you just didn't know what it was, um, so, Justina, hi, um, I brought you on the show to get your perspective on all of this. Can you share some of your experiences with white of white privilege? Uh, okay, so I am half white, so um, I'm also half Asian. I'm half Filipino. Uh, so, I've been on both sides of the coin, you know. Um, I think the good thing about being white is uh, just the fact that I can speak a dominant language. It's kind of sad that there's only one dominant language in New Zealand, although there shouldn't be. But the fact that I've grown up being able to speak that one, you know, makes life a lot easier. Um, I can speak some Filipino, but not as well as I wish I could. Mm. And um, there aren't enough sources out there for me to learn it um, in the way I'm used to learning languages because I studied two other languages at high school. So I did Japanese and French, and those were way more accessible to me um, in comparison to, like, my own language. So that's a bit sad, but, Mm. yeah. Yeah. There's beauty standards, um, you know, in places like Asia, Southeast Asia and um, South Asia. Uh, people tend to be a little bit darker in terms of skin tone. And so um, because of colonization, uh, whiter skin is seen as more attractive. And, you know, the Philippines was colonized by mm. Spain. So this kind of um, beauty standard was... Uh, encouraged and perpetuated and now things like uh white soap is like sold everywhere and it's just not white soap but white whitening soap and Mm. you know i've seen those in my household in the philippines and didn't phase me as a kid didn't you know i didn't see the bad in it now i see the bad in it but uh that is a bad thing about Mm. But I guess um, in Philippines, I'm seen as uh, 
not that I think I'm attractive, but other people will be like, oh, you're, they'll, they'll say that, um, looking white is a compliment because of, you know, that colonization. They're like, oh, you're so white. And they, um, expect for me to be like, you know, flattered, mm. but it's not flattering. So. Well, yeah. no one can control what skin tone they're born with. It's just what they come out of the womb looking yeah, like. Yeah, but like, I, you know, being whiter is not a compliment and shouldn't yeah. be a compliment. So, um, how, why do you think that um, white privilege should be addressed in some way? Um, that's a, that's a loaded question. Yeah, um, wrong answer. Okay, let me think about this one. Wait, can you repeat it, actually? Uh, how should white privilege be addressed, and why does it need to? Um, I think in both countries we need to realize that you know, skin color has nothing to do with what's on the inside. Mm. And so, you know, you should get to know a person beyond their skin color and not expect that they will be flattered by what you look like. Because mm. that is, you know, it has very little to do with, you know, your morals or your opinions or that kind of thing, which is what should be important about a person, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. I personally think... Um, coming from my Pākehā perspective, I've had my eyes opened a bit more, imp- growing up a bit more, because actually, I think it's, I think it's unfair that, like, us Pākehā, d- get, um, we probably get away with more in a way, and it's, I don't think it's okay, and oh, yeah. I don't think there's enough Pākehās uh, of us acknowledging it either, and, like... They don't notice it. Like I've, oh, yeah. I've had conversations with groups of people where someone has noticed something that's because the problem is people don't really notice their racism. There's a lot of and microaggressions. Like, yeah, there's microaggressions that people don't know that they're doing because it's ingrained in society in a way that I think is, and then it's kind of just seen as normal, which I don't think is okay, and we should be combating that. I think part of the reason why people get away with microaggressions so often is because of the ratio of, you know, Caucasians to other minority groups. And because it's normalized. Yeah, but the normalization, especially so, you know, for example, when I was at school, um, the ratio of people of color to white people, say, for example, in my friend group was maybe two to uh, eight or one to eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, the microaggressions occurred and, you know, people got away with them. But the reason was because I didn't have anyone to back me up if I talked about it. I'd be like, hey, that's not cool, man. You know, it wouldn't affect anyone else. So they, you know, they wouldn't know what it's like to be the victim of a microaggression or any racism. Mm. So they don't feel the need to stand up for it. Mm. And that's part of the reason why I think it's more normalized in New Zealand. Hmm. Especially South Island. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, going off that point, it's really interesting having discussions because no one wants to have these discussions either is the other problem. Mm-hmm. Because no one wants to be a doobie downer and address these things because everyone just wants to have a good time. Yeah. And there is places for good times, but like... Teenagers are really defensive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They do not want to be wrong. Yeah. No. And I just think that the it's just more that I think the more addressing and the more that it's called out, the more that I think the more we should to denormalize it in a way that's not inherently there. Because yeah, did you have anything to add? Yeah, no, and I think um, the normalization of, well, you know, racism and having a a dominant race isn't solely just tied to, you know, verbal things. It comes out of actions, too. Mm. Like, for example, um, I was on the street once, you know, walking home, as you do. And uh, I think I was just, I think there were these two girls, um, and they were white, 
and they were across the road. And I was wearing a shirt with long sleeves. I was just trying to shake them, you know, back into place because they had like scrunched up on to my arms. And this was during quarantine where, um, you know, during the time when hate crimes against Asians rose. Mm. So um, I saw these two girls walking their dogs across the road, making fun of the way I was shaking my hands. And I would link it to, you know, being an Asian hate crime because I don't know why else you would do that. Mm. Yeah. It was really random. I was like, dude, I'm just, I'm just vibing. Mm. One thing that I've noticed is... Yeah? It, it, these are observations that I've noticed that white people don't get these comments. Like, yeah. I, was, I'm, uh, I was in class one time and the teacher walked up to one of the students and said, oh, your English is very good. And the student <sighs> replied with, I was born in New Zealand, miss. Uh, and then I was listening. Do I know this person? I don't. Yes, you do. Oh. Um, and I just thought, <laughs> I was like, it made me really cringe because I don't, I felt it was really inappropriate. I've gotten just, that comment. Have you? Oh. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, I was just like going, no teacher would come up to me and say that. Like, it, it just seems so preposterous that someone would say that. Like, oh, you're conforming to our, you know, culture more than your own. That's a compliment. Yeah. And, like, I was just like, how, how is that okay? And that was just an example. That's just an example of people also not noticing because I don't think the teacher probably knew better, I, to be honest. Don't know the teacher. Oh, yeah, I'm not naming names. But I <laughs> no, I was but... just thinking, going, like, it just felt really out of line. Like, But, like, also it's normalized and no one would think anything of it. And it was in front of everyone and no one said anything and no one took even notice of it. Like, it was kind of, like, out in the open and it was... That's a microaggression. Yeah, it was shocking to me that no one cared. Like... Because I turned to the person next to me going, far out, that was a brutal comment. And they kind of went, oh, what was wrong with it? And I went, dude. And then, like, they just didn't get it, which I thought was really weird. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any other stories you want to? Mm. I mean, I don't, and I guess it really depends on the context. Because that would be a compliment to say, for example, someone who's an exchange student. Yeah, but, um, the but teacher, to assume the teacher, someone was an exchange yeah. student, it, yeah, it's a yes, bit like... Of course, mm. but the teacher should know better than to assume that because this person is of colour, um, mm. that English would not be their first language, because I have been the victim of that, you know, circumstance, and uh, it's kind of humili humiliating, so, yeah. Yeah, so why do you think... White privilege. They probably is had a good thing. intentions. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think white privilege is a thing? It's a very big question. Colonization. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you want to add more? Um. It's a bit of another. It is a yeah, loaded yeah. question. It I'm, was a load. It's a loaded question to mm. spark a conversation out of it. Well, you could start with your opinion, and I could add to it. Okay, um, I personally think because of colonization, and this is dating back generations where uh, colonists asserted their authority in New Zealand and it's still kind of the dominant force that, and it's normalized into a place where no one cares very much and I think that we should care more and I do hear conversation starters but it's in small progressive pockets like it's not widespread that people are calling out this stuff and it's just like yeah. i definitely think now that i think about it um other cultures tend to be way more um hospitable and um accommodating than you know white people so they're more likely to like, you know, for example, when the Pākehā came to mm. New Zealand for the first time, Māori were very welcoming yeah. and, you know, accepting of their uh, 
arrival, but the Pakeha were kind of just like, well, we have the power to kill, so, and, and we're entitled to that because we have the technology, so let's go ahead with it. Mm. And I guess they go off of this entitlement to, you know, if we can get it, we're independent. Um, if we can get it, we'll do it. And yeah. I also think in white culture, people tend to be way more independent, less family-oriented. Yeah. Yeah. But also. More thinking for yourself, you know, mm, it's every man there's a whole xenoph- There's also a whole xenophobic element of being fearful of other. Like, I don't get why it's considered a phobia. I just think it's just people who are picky, to, to be honest. I don't get why you can lump something like uh, that into... A fear. Same with homophobia, transphobia. I don't get why all of this discriminatory stuff is lumped into a phobia. It, it's a bit like I feel like it downplays the element of it severely. Yeah, if you notice- and it almost that even I think lumping it as a phobia is another way it's been normalised and how it's become a thing because a fear doesn't sound as bad as being a horrible person to someone because of their ethnicity, like. It, it when you phrase it like a fear, it doesn't sound so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I have a real problem with using discriminatory methods and categorizing them as a phobia. Yeah, because it, yeah, but there's like there's ways to notice that like independence in society now. Like in New Zealand, it's very normal to move out of the mm. out, out of your house. You know, as a seventeen year old, eighteen year old, it's getting like the, the age to move out is younger now. People move out, I don't know, at 16. And I guess mm. that's really dependent on the circumstances, you know. Sometimes that can't be controlled. But um, this would not happen in, say, for example, Philippines where uh, people are very family-oriented and they're always taking care of each other. And um, people, I guess, they don't, I don't see young couples moving out until, say, mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I think there's really in white culture a bigger sense of independence, and I think that ties into the whole colonization thing. It's every man for himself. Um, if we can claim it, if we can steal it, we'll do it because we have the ability. Yeah. Right, we're going to go to another song break, and we'll be back chatting some more. So we're going to play, oh, we'll play some Gwen Stefani and Eve, Rich Girl.
life turned upside down. Chicks that blew your mind, ding, it's the second round. Original track and ding, mm, you know you can't buy these things, no. See Stefani and the lamb, I rock the fetish people, you know who I am. Yes, man, we got the style that's wicked. I hope you can all keep up. We climbed all the way from the bottom to the top, now we ain't getting nothing but and welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So, you're back here with me and my guest Justina, and Yo. we've been talking about white privilege. Um, 
We're just going to go back to a point that we were discussing before the break. Um, you, Justina, you were talking about um, the sense of Pākehā entitlement and the culture of moving out. I was just wondering if you could go into more detail with that. Okay, so basically, you know, the whole independence thing, the whole like entitlement to you know, having your own opinion and, um, you know, having the right to your own views, that's great. You should feel like you have the right to your own opinion and views, but that can mean that sometimes people feel entitled for this to extend to microaggressions and racist comments. And that, you know, I think that is part of the reason Mm. why people get away with it because there is a sense of entitlement there and, you know, being an individual and whatnot. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. How... Oh, also, before we move on, um, how could that not be mistaken as a cultural attribute rather than an entitlement attribute? I think because it's, I just noticed Mm. that in comparison, you know, I've grown up in two culturals and by cultural, um, New Zealanders are not as family oriented as um, orientated as um, Filipinos. Okay, good. And more about independence and having their own opinion. Mm. And I, I, I really think it's about a balance between the two. I think it's good to have your own opinion, but not to the point of doing things like being racist. Mm. So definitely be independent, but don't but have also, people in the process. But also try and dissect some of that because... You, people might not know that they're being racist necessarily. Like, there's a whole thing where I think more Pākehā people should look in on themselves and reassess so they don't do the unintentional. Like, it more comes from something within because it's so normalised it's something we don't notice in the same way. Okay. And because there's, you know the element of, they don't notice until you point it out to them because... Mm-hmm you do come across some people who'll either be like they'll either take it in and when you call them out on it or they might be really defensive mm-hmm. and hopefully there's more people that are excessive and make a change when stuff does get called out but unfortunately people don't get called out enough mm-hmm. and having these discussions is important to have that change I think yeah I think okay well if someone who is offended by a microaggression tells you that they were offended, uh, don't take it as an insult to you mm. because it's not a personal thing. It's about, you know, it's about literally just how they feel, not how it's nothing to do with your identity or anything. So it's like, you know, don't take it personally. Just take it on board that they felt offended by this comment. And, you know, if you're defensive, they might not want to tell you again about how you were being racist or might avoid you. So um, listen to the people that do speak up Mm. is, uh, I guess, a start. Yeah. Right. We may have already touched on elements of this already, but how can society decolonize um, its way of being in order to remove white privilege and having a more equal playing field? Mm. Okay, well, hmm. New Zealand is multicultural. It's a mix of a bunch of cultures, you know, Mm. Um, but it's also, you know, originally bicultural with the first arrival of Māori and the arrival of um, Pākehā, and I think that's a big part of New Zealand's identity and it's worth realizing that we are bicultural. And mm. um, you know, as a student, um, I've been studying biculturalism and learning not to culturally appropriate because I'm like a design student, so it's important part of the process. You know, um, considering you know your client and what they'll want, and you know, part of designing in New Zealand is realizing that identity. So um, I've been studying, you know, we have been studying 
art and design from a Māori perspective. And there's this specific designer, he's also an artist and researcher, um, called Johnson Mutihira. Mm-hmm. And his whole um, mission is to basically put Modi back in the driver's seat and, you know, reinforce that we are uh, a bicultural society and um, look at, and he looks at, you know, Modi ways of thinking and doing and knowledge and making that more part of, you know, things that can be designed in a contemporary sense. So things like he worked at, he worked on putting artworks on pillars in Auckland International Airport Mm. and carving Māori elements into like basically the department, departure lounge. Um, Another thing he's done is he's made this game it's called Half Blood, and is that a Harry Potter reference? No, uh, oh, I should I should probably uh, mention that um, Wetehira is a uh, half Maori, half Pakeha. So yeah. th- I think that's a reference to him. Yeah, you know his own heritage. Yeah. But um, in this game, there are actually two games, both called Maori Land Adventure. Um, and the first in the first game, basically, ah, it's hard to. Describe this quickly, sorry. Mm. Just trying to remember yeah, it. That's all right. Um, Take your time. In the first game, it's centered on the... The story is centered on the arrival of Māori people and yeah. how they were not the most considerate of their environment, so we lost some resources and um, native wildlife, such as the moa. So to progress through this game, basically you have to bonk animals on the head um, as a a Māori uh, arriver, I guess. And in the second game, and this is particularly funny, uh, this is when the Pākehā arrive, and that's mm. what the story is about. And basically this white person comes in with his Bible and he bonks Māori in the head with his Bible until the, he, the, the Māori people turn into westernised versions of themselves with in western clothes and holding their own Bible. Mm. So a nice commentary on um, that. Yeah. And Wetehira's work also um, he looks for ways to reach out beyond like getting his message across to just an art and design community. He looks at ways that he can normalize that bicultural, you know, perspective. Mm. And, you know, so the game is good because, um, you know, that gaming won't always come, you know, naturally to like an artist or a designer because, you know, making art. Um, yeah. So he's reaching out to a new like community of gamers. <laughs> so, yeah, he's extending his message basically. Yeah. He did another thing as well where he... Um, projected 34 artworks in um, Times Square of his. Mm. Yeah. Um, Modi artworks, that is. Yeah. Oh, cool. Over those, like, digital billboards. Yeah. Mm. So he's, like, extending beyond New Zealand as well. Yeah. Um, how do you think... Uh, I feel like decolonization, yeah, that's a great start, and that's an interesting anecdote you shared. How is, in everyday life, what can someone listening out there do? And just a small thing that they can do in everyday life that addresses how we can decolonize and address more of um, the racist undertones of society. Maybe you realize that there is more than one way to look at life than the way Mm. you might have grown up to believe or engage in. And I guess widen your friend group, widen your, you know, range of people you hang out with to include people from other cultures. And, you know, ask them about their culture, you know. Um, mm. You know, ask them about their opinion. Or yeah. I think they will really appreciate that. 
Before um, before we move on, um, another way we can address it is we can address um, racism and discrimination, but we also have to address white privilege with that because it's an inherent thing that happens in society. And I have come across many a Pākehā who they try and address it, but they go the wrong way about it, where they throw comments out like, I don't see colour. And it's like, well... Obviously you do if you're going to have to go out of your way to say it and try and combat racism. But when you say you don't see colour, you ignore white privilege because you're immediately assuming it's an equaling play field. And it's mm. not. It, it should be, but it's not. But the co- it almost is a... Have you come across this? No, actually. Oh, okay. Actually a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I honestly think it's a bit... It's a bit denialist, to be honest, and it's a bit... It's going in the wrong way, because those sorts of comments are someone who is trying not to be racist, but they're kind of coming out slightly because they're not understanding the concept that is currently happening, because, Mm -hmm. you know what, I don't know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I just think we can address racism and discrimination, but also acknowledging that white privilege is a thing mm-hmm. because it is a thing and it should be something acknowledged and we should do something about it because it shouldn't be a thing and we should move from that into a more but we have to make small steps not just immediately assume that everyone's on the same playing field but it's not because everyone will get swept people will get lost in the shuffle if everyone just assumed everyone was at the same playing field and you know what Leo I think you should give some examples of things that are taken for granted in terms of white privilege oh. that you've noticed as, you know, Pākehā? Um, I personally think that we probably don't understand what it's like to be other in that way. Mm-hmm. Because it's... You don't... Like, because Pākehā is the majority of the population, we, we often don't have the experience of being othered. Mm-hmm. And being, I know I feel like it's. I don't, I don't know exactly how to explain it to be honest, but I feel like we're so we get through life a whole lot easier because we don't have to face adversity in the same way. Mm. And the more that we acknowledge this, the more we can better make ourselves aware of the people around us and what they are going through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, more specific examples. Do you have any off the top of your head? It's okay if you don't. Um, To be honest, I've noticed stuff, but I don't know if they're the right ways to go about it because I personally, I don't have the experience of walking around in a, um, in a, skin of colour. I don't have the experience that others might go through. So I do notice that it's... Yeah, I don't know how to explain it because I don't have that lived experience in the same way. Um, but I have noticed things, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are your... Have you noticed things being... Because of both sides, have you noticed things on both ends of the spectrum? Yeah, I guess so. Can you clarify what you mean? Uh, I was meaning more, has your experience being half Pākehā, half Filipino, have you you noticed things in a different way because you live in both spheres? Have you noticed white privilege in a perspective that no one else would have um, who is um, not mixed? Yeah. Mixed race? Mm. That's another loaded question. Yeah. Mm. Well, I have noticed that (sighs) 
How will I explain this? I've noticed that some people who travel outside of New Zealand um, expect to be more cultured than their peers, and so they put down people who have been a- who haven't been able to travel as often. I don't know if that's relevant, but assuming that someone who hasn't traveled as much will not mm. be as open-minded as them basically because yeah. they haven't had the opportunity to leave yeah so they won't have that understanding but sometimes i find it's quite the opposite yeah the pe- person that hasn't left the country really wants to have that opportunity but it's just not accessible to them mm. whereas the person that um has had the opportunity not this isn't all people obviously but yeah I've noticed some people who have had that opportunity take the opportunity of being able to travel for granted. Mm. I don't know if that really makes sense. It's kind of hard to make sense of in a short amount of time. Yeah. But if you if you travel more, it won't necessarily mean you're open more open-minded, basically. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm sorry to end it there, but we're running out of time now. So... Um Thank you for coming on, Justina, and um, thanks for this discussion because it's not the first time we've had you on here. We've talked about racism and discrimination, and I'm thankful that you came on again because I felt like when I was thinking more and more on that show, I felt like it was disappointing that we didn't acknowledge white privilege in a big enough capacity on that episode, and I thought, actually, we can go... The last episode, the one we did before this one? Yeah, the one that we did before this one, yeah. Which one? First or second? Both. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about um, that because we've talked about racism and discrimination before, but we haven't acknowledged, we hadn't acknowledged in those shows white privilege in a way. And the more I thought about it going, man, I regret not bringing it up. And I thought, actually, maybe we can get a whole show out of this and have that discussion that we didn't have, this element of discussion that we didn't have in that previous show with Esther. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming on and cheers. See ya. Right. Um, if you guys need support from a trained counsellor, contact 1737. Make sure you download the YouthZone app available on Google Play or the Apple App Store. This is great because you're able to catch up on podcasts or watch exclusive features. Um, and visit our Instagram page, at operation.arakatahi. Give us a follow. Updates go on there. You know, you know the drill. Uh, and if you want to come on the show as a guest or you have any issues you want spoken about on the air, flick me an email on operation.rangatahi at gmail.com. Yes, it's still, the email address is still rangatahi. I haven't updated it yet. I will get around to it. But for now, it is still operation.rangatahi for the email. But everything else has been changed. Um, yeah, so thanks for tuning in. And I'll see you in two weeks' time. Ka kite anō. Bye. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.